Dear friends, moisten your whetstone, choose your choicest chisel, and whittle away long past your bedtime. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Welcome back, folks. I am Nick McGill. I am Omen Said, and we are the Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me, a crafting project where, matchstick by matchstick, we build an exact replica of the USS Jethro Tull, one song at a time. We are covered in hot glue and sawdust. And we may not finish before we go mad, but we're glad that you're along as we try to stuff the good ship Ian Anderson into a bottle. Would it be the HMS Jethro Tull? It would be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we are going to ride the HMS Jethro Tull into the sunset on the backs of the waves of thick as a brick this week. That's right. We don't have any housekeeping. We don't have any addenda. We don't have any social media whatsoever. So I reckon we could jump right in to this, right, Omen? I think we can. Now, Nick, we have reached the midpoint of Thick as a Brick. We are right now. I have my hands on the vinyl, and I'm about to flip it over to the B side. That's right. We are going to... Oh. Oh, oh, God, oh, I dropped it. Oh, God. Oh, God. oh vinyl, oh, vinyl God, shatters no. very easily. Oh. <laughs> we are... Maybe I can put it back together oh. with this hammer. <laughs> Hit it softly with this hammer. <laughs> this is track one, quote-unquote, of side B. It's going to be the first six minutes. It is, see there, a man is born in clear white circles. Omen. Yo. Before we get in to talking and listening to this track. Yes. To tall. What are you drinking on this Sunday afternoon? Sure. Um, let me tell you. Well, I've got on on my uh, on my audio right hand side for those of you listening with high powered headphones. I have a glass of water because I am a responsible man who takes care of my health. I've got a a 20,000 leagues under the sea mug full of espresso because I need to wake up. And I've also got a a Brooklyn Brewery Stonewall Inn Session IPA, which celebrates the famous Stonewall Inn where a, a very pissed off drag queen stood up to police harassment in the 1960s, which kicked off the pride movement and the LGBTQ rights movement in, the, in our country. I think there were some extra letters in there. But we'll include them because if you identify as P, then so be it. That it stands for pale ale. Oh, <laughs> LGBTQ IPA. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So I am proudly representing my community by drinking a fairly gay beer. Nick, can I ask you? Yes. What are you drinking this fine morning? Well, I I have a Munchkin water bottle. Filled with water with a D20 uh, sticker on it. Munchkin is the brand. 
I... They make kids like sippy cups, but they also make mm. adult sippy cups, and they're great. We when we bought sure. we bought some for Rook. We're like these are pretty great, so yeah. we bought some for ourselves you know, I, too. I think that adult sippy cup isn't a contradiction in terms at all, Nick. What, what else do you have? I have condescension for you. <laughs> one thing. Yeah, I've got Blue Moon's Mango Wheat. I have very limited selection across the street at the little convenience store. Yeah. It's mostly IPAs, and I'm not terribly fond of IPAs. IPAs mm. and stouts, and I don't, I don't like to drink a whole meal or yeah, <laughs> drink bitter. So Blue Moon Mango Wheat it is. There you are. Yep. Breakfast of champions. That's right. It's It's got fruit in there. It's made with ripe mango. So, there you go. You Getting know. your vitamin M. And it's going to be noon in four minutes, so it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's noon o'clock somewhere. I don't have a problem. I, now that we are properly libated, why don't we jump in to the B-side of Thick as a Brick? Yeah, let's get in there. Yeah, that is, they don't, they don't really work us into side B. They kind of just throw us into it. Yeah, thrown right into the deep end. Yeah. So, Nick. Yeah. A lot to process there. Yes, very much. Now, it has been said by, by critics that... While the A side of this album really feels cohesive and really feels like a single entity that that was conceived as a whole and really flows together, that the B side is a bit more choppy and and could be seen as a, a reworking of some of the themes of side A in a in a less congruous way. Yeah, and I think we see examples of that in this, yes. in, just in this track that we <laughs> we we hear. I would say so. I'm not complaining. Because it was really, it's like a, it's a really potent chunk. But yeah, it's, it, that was going to be one of my comments is that it feels where everything flows from one piece to another in that first 45 minutes of side A, yeah. this one, there are definitive stops and there are definitive like little bite-sized music ideas that end and they go into something else as opposed to having a clean, smooth transition flow of music. Yes. There are actual breaks in this. Yeah. You know, Nick, if the first side feels to me like an ancient epic poem which is recited under the solstice moon, mm -hmm. the second side feels a bit more like like a fun fever dream. You know when you're sick and you and yeah. you take some NyQuil and you're like you're kind of half asleep and you have all these weird dreams. It feels like that. Shall we talk a little bit about about the structure as it is? Sure. Of this chunk. Yeah. So to pick up with, we do have this really, really, to me, brilliant connection to the first side, which is, you know, as we discussed last week, the first side fades off with this very kind of spooky, timeless wind sound and then has this. Yeah, almost like a storm. Yes. 
and this low kind of reversed bass line from one of the themes. Mm -hmm. And then the B side picks up with that same wind, which has that peculiar kind of ancient feeling. I wonder how they recorded it. And then floating on that comes the English air Mm-hmm. kind of flute bit tooling down on it. And then it all, after some other little fiddlings around, it drops, it kind of drops you right back into the reality with Ian Anderson's very, very kind of grounded, stable acoustic guitar sound. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's if, much like, if you didn't have to flip, if you could go, basically, like if you're listening to it now on the CD or the MP3, and, and you can hear, you can hear the two pieces from end to start, from one to two, without yeah. without having an interruption. You hear that wind fade out and then pick back up in, and it's, it's really seamless. yeah, and it's I I really like it. I like it better that way than having to physically go in and flip it to enable you to hear that second part. I think there's something very effective about that, that fade out and fade in of the same sound of that same storm. Sure. Now I enjoy the flip because it, it, it introduces into the music a point of, of mystery and complete emptiness where you are Mm. turning over the disc to find out what happens next, next. And then it's, it's this wonderful, you know, if you're assuming that you're listening to it for the first time, your your doubt is rewarded by the fact that it does pick up in that same place. Okay, I get that. Yeah, seeing it seeing it from a a point of view of of someone who hasn't heard it over and over, you know, who hasn't listened to it very regularly. Right. I can see the value of there there being a a forced moment of processing. Yeah, exactly. So then, after we have our first verse, our big, our big first musical shift, and I think where we start to get the flavor of this side of the album is the drum solo. Oh my gosh! Now I think Martin Barr at one point was quoted as as saying that one of the delightful things about this album is that everyone kind of got their moment to shine. Yeah, he has. Martin has some really nice moments where he gets to solo out on his guitar. Mm-hmm. Ian gets to solo on his guitar. You know the, I don't know how much of the, I don't know how much of uh, Jeffrey Hammond Hammond we hear, but you know he has moments. And then this is the big, this is the bit where they said, "All right, all right, Barry." Oh, it's so go for oh, it. it's awesome. It's so rock. It is a really, it's a really delightful. It's so tight and clean. Yeah, yeah. It's very intricate. It, it is. hear everything he's not he's not sloppy at all it's really just just a bunch of different toms back and forth there's very little cymbal work and it's it's you you hear each of his hits and you you get a sense of how quickly his arms are moving in this process and it's it's a great example i think we talked about it earlier in this album on side a obviously of of seeing that that Barry, Barry's coming in with some really good drum talent. 
Yes, he is. And it's a different style. I mean, we love the bash. We love the bunker bash. And it was such a wonderful sound that defined those earlier albums. Mm -hmm. But Barry brings, I I think, along with John Evan, he brings a a sense of sophistication, I want to say. Yeah. Not that that Clive Bunker was unsophisticated, but it's, it's a different sound. And I think it it's, you know, in the development of the sound of Jethro Tull, it was fortunate that they had this cleaner sound when Ian was starting to experiment with more kind of intellectually intricate and rigorous songwriting. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. I'm very curious to, to, as a thought experiment, curious to think about what, what this album would have sounded like if they didn't have John Evan or Barrymore on this because they add so much. Let's turn this thought experiment into a real experiment. Go ahead and sing any set of lyrics from this song. Go ahead. See, there a man is born, and we pronounce <laughs> him <laughs> fair for <laughs> Okay, I get it. <laughs> See, that was a little more Barrymore, I think. That was a little more detailed, I think that was. Yeah, I, it was like drum scatting. <laughs> yeah. Dratting, scumming. I dread, I dread your dratting, you scum. <laughs> I think that the backbone, there is there is such an organ backbone to this album that we've seen so yes. far on all of yeah. side A. And, and they, they, John is right back with a vengeance on side B. He, he is, really is. Oh, it's he's in there and he's solid and he's strong and he's of of all the changes and kind of fluctuations that we hear throughout this album sound wise musically he's always there he is it's almost like he's making up for lost time you know he's making up for all the years that Jethro Tull didn't have right. an organist it's five it's five years of Tull in in one in album, one album. Yeah. yeah he may have aged five years in the process of this album I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> I, I might age five years in the recording of this one episode the portrait of John Evan <laughs> one thing that I love about this drum solo is that it has a little contrast provided with it of mm. Ian Anderson on the flute. Yeah. I think that's so smart because previously with the drum solos that we've heard with Tull, it's like, all right, go ahead, the drummer Just and go, everyone yeah. else t- takes a break and has a cup of tea. Yeah. And and this is really nice because it it reminds you that it is part of the song. It's not just yeah. like uh, stepping outside for a moment. Mm-hmm. And it actually... It acts as a setting for this for this precious gem that is Barrymore's solo. It 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 holds it. It gives it a point of reference almost, which I find delightful. Yeah, it's really nice, and it. I think that his his drum solo is is a nice nest for the the egg of Ian's flute. Ooh, it's it, it's kind of all encompassing. It's not too brash. No, it's soft. It's it's soft and downy. Yeah, and it it his downy little sideies keep us safe, and <laughs> and I I I do really like that. If you if you kind of like tweak your head to the side one way, it's almost jarring to hear the flute and the drums together. They they don't quite fit. Uh huh. 
Mm-hmm. But then if you if you kind of tilt the other way and hear it just with a with a, a little different angle, it's like, oh yeah, this is this is how it's going. They're both a little discordant, but they're discordant together. Well, and that tension, I think, is something that we find a lot, especially on this side of the album. Yeah. There are, yeah. There are a number of places where, you know, they will there will be two instruments playing with slightly disparate rhythms or tempi. Yeah. Which creates that pull in the mind of the listener, which is like, you know, we, we're I think with our ears we try to resolve things, we try to make them harmonious and, and match up, and when things don't, it produces that little bit of like disquietude mm-hmm. of the soul, which I think is appropriate to this to the content. Yeah, certainly for this album. They take they take those those juxtapositions that that were were fairly solidly hammered on that first side and it's almost like the consequences of those if if you don't if you don't fix the problems from side a this is what you get mm. you know it just it just gets worse i think of it as an abstracted exploration of the themes of side a okay now Speaking of which, mm-hmm. so now we have, uh, following the drum solo, we have the, what I would refer to as the cacophony section. Yes. Which is where you have all the spoken words happening. You, you have those three big breaks. Yeah. And then and then after the silence, it just starts up with more of the the silliness. Yeah, it's, the, they're the actual bits of silence, the actual breaks, like you said. This is Jeffrey Hammond Hammond credited as the spoken voice. Oh, cool. But you can barely hear what he's saying, aside from yeah, like those was... one or two points where he comes up in almost a sing-song manner. Yeah. Baby's wearing nylons. Yeah. It's an overwhelming responsibility. <laughs> yeah. All of this feels very much like it's playing with the listener in a in a fun way. It feels very... Monty Python adjacent, which, mm-hmm. as we've previously stated, there is a little bit of a connection between Monty Python and Ian Anderson. Definitely. But also, it was just something that was in the consciousness of the listeners at the time, because Flying Circus was airing right at that time, and mm-hmm. so it was it was it was a style of humor that people were becoming more familiar with. That you know, sort of was particularly British. Yeah. And those breaks and that kind of silly cacophony that that feels very much in that in that realm for me. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I would go so far as to call it cutting edge cuz I think that doesn't do Python justice. But there it's it's so It's not a cutting ed- edge, it's more like a butter knife edge. It's very useful and it makes you feel good because you can put butter on your toast. It's oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It goes it goes against established Iconoclastic. Yes, thank you. It's an iconoclastic sense of humor that hmm. that we yes. that we kind of now attribute to to British, but I I believe they were pretty. They kind of broke the mold when when Python started out, and and they 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 were very unique at the time. Very very yeah. Unique. I mean I mean they were combining absurdism with a kind of really playing with the medium. I mean, for me it really I, I think that they were riffing off some of the some of the styles and themes of the Dadaists or the or mm. the futurists from the sure. from the early part of the twentieth century. Oh yeah. But in a more popular and accessible way. With yeah, putting putting it putting it for the masses making it more 
palatable, more digestible, and more and, accessible, and more accessible, right? In giving it that that you really unique British spin of right, that just just lovely dry humor that that right. that the British just just nurture that they nurture a damp a damp humor. A well, damp thank humor. goodness for the for the BBC for for having broadcasted it. Absolutely, yeah. And then finally, we get into the, the last section, which is where we, we drop back to the guitar as the bass, which always seems like a, a, like a returning to home for this album. Yeah. And we have our last verse. Yeah. Musically, this is beautiful. I just love this part. It's so nice. I love it when when we have the acoustic guitar as the bass, and then we have the what sounds like an acoustic riffing over it. Scream, scream! I'm not doing it justice. <laughs> I'll try to find it and put it in. Because I, you know I what don't I'm talking know. about though. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's like when it's like scream. That part. There's just so much going on. It's it's my ear is going to pick up on stuff that your ear doesn't and vice versa. So it's sometimes it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, this part that this part that's so obvious to me. Yes. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the challenge, the challenge is me pretending to be like, oh, yeah, I totally know. And then trying to find that part to drop into the. Now, Nick, we this section that we that we've taken is less lyrically dense Mm, is less lyrically extensive than the previous one, but it's still pretty dense, I would say. There's still a lot going on in here, yeah. Yeah. You ready to jump in and start start hacking away at the weeds? I think, yeah, I think we ought to. I think I think we covered everything musically, chronologically musically, for now. Sure. So, fascinatingly, it returns to a familiar theme mm-hmm. at the beginning with, see there, a man is born. Mm-hmm. And we pronounce him fit for peace. So it is an it is a an extension and a reversal of the of the previous version of that line. Yeah. There's a load lifted from his shoulders with the discovery of his disease. That's something that I want to pull out, Nick, mm-hmm. because it reminds me of a lyric, actually a whole song from later down the line. Mm. Doctor to your disease. There's no use you playing doctor to my disease. Yeah. Is it just because of the word disease? It is, but it's also <laughs> it's also about what I think it means to, to Anderson. I, I feel like... I feel like that song, Doctor to My Disease, is is really referring, you know, really talks about like one's individuality and way of life that, you know, you can't cure my disease because my disease is the condition of me being me. Hmm. Okay. And I feel like that is the same theme here. It's like a weight was lifted from my shoulders because I discovered that that I discovered who I am. And that's why that's why I interact with the world in this way right. is because I'm me. Oh, oh, fantastic. Now I can now I can breathe. So my quote unquote disease is what makes me 
not fit in or or abnormal or or whatever but that is just a side effect so my not fitting in be damned i am me and being able to recognize that is what allows me to to deal with it to come to terms with it and and to more fully be oneself mm. the load lifted from his shoulders yeah going back to the theme of of our beers it's it's a bit like coming out of the closet in a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People's people's lives are changed. And it's certainly it's still it's still really like crummy in some places, but it's certainly n nowhere near as bad as it was even in the 90s, you know, when we were growing up. But what to be gay? To to the 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 risk of coming out, you know, the mm, sure. the 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 weight on your shoulders of right of not being quote unquote normal when in the 90s half of the the insults and slurs were homophobic you know sure well but also i think that there's you know the thing that i that i constantly hear in coming out stories and and my own experience of of coming out as bi is that when when you're able to say that out loud to people that you love it's like Oh my gosh! I can stop pretending to be something that I'm yeah. not. I can just be myself. Yeah. Ooh. Even if even if literally everyone is like, yeah, who cares? Okay, we love you. Oh, right. Because it it's a, it's really about your relationship with yourself yeah. at, at that yeah. point. Yeah. And so Ian Anderson has now come out as Ian Anderson. Yes. And everyone's like, great. Oh yeah, yeah we knew we know. all along. And he's like, oh, oh god. <laughs> I I have something to admit. I'm 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 Ian Anderson. Oh. I'm Ian Anderson. We, 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 know. we know. We've been... We know. We wouldn't have stuck around this long if we didn't realize. We love you. We're fine. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. Oh, God. Thank oh, you. Oh, God. <laughs> My tears are so salty. <laughs> his, his brogue kicks in when he gets really emotional. That's right. So now, so Nick, this first section seems to be about, like, maturity and and coming to terms with oneself. We, we pronounce him fit for peace. Yeah. We'll take the child from him sounds to me less like social services coming to knock at your door and more like, you know, we will distill from him the impurities so that he can be a pure version of himself, which is the man. Right, right. So that's the the man is born in the sense of he has become a man and and he is solely and 100% a man and and we've gotten rid of the childlike tendencies of right of seeing wanting to save the world as a superhero or something right, like that. Right, right, right. We've burned those things off in the crucible. Yeah. yeah. Now then then it kicks into this, the cacophony section, which is, it was pretty interesting to read those lyrics. Actually, uh, before we get into that, I, I yeah. want to tie in this, this last line in this first stanza. We'll take the child from him, put it to the test, teach it to be a wise man how to fool the rest that's saying they're putting the child to the test and teaching the child to be the wise man correct Yes, but I don't necessarily think that they're talking about two separate entities. I think that it's possible that they are referring to the single process of of, of maturity. Okay. Okay, so we, we tie back in 
to the wise man. And this is this is kind of the first time that we see the the act of becoming a wise man as opposed to coming to people who are already established as wise men. Yes. So this is this is another this is another path that the man can be on as opposed to poet, painter, soldier, farmer, whatever. You 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 have that option now. And we now can, why do you think it says can... fool the rest? <clears throat> why does the condition of being wise in this context, why is it associated with the ability to pull one over on other people? Is that not the wisest person who can, even under the guise of being wise, fool everyone else? You know, if you that that there's some level of power there, isn't there? I guess so, but I but I think that with real wisdom comes comes compassion. Right, but I don't think in any reference of of wise man that we've seen thus far that they truly refer are referring to like a bodhisattva or or the Dalai mm. Lama, you know. Right, there's some kind of there's some association of of trickery or or power dynamic, negative power yeah. dynamic involved with that. And it's very interesting. It's it feels like the the elder of a clan, quote unquote, but the elder of a clan in this society where it's made up of businessmen. So it's just an old rich white dude who is the wise man because he's he's made it successfully thus far. It's almost like the person who wrote all this had like a serious problem with authority. You know, as a 22, 24. Oh, my goodness. So young. 24 year old. In, so young, so bitter. In the 70s in England at the time. Yeah. It, it's not terribly surprising. Rock and roll, a rock and roller, no less. Right. You know, yeah. Right. If you didn't have a problem with authority. You were doing it wrong. Yeah, Totally. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I, w- I want to find some examples of music at the time that was like pro-authority. That was like, like, boy, Iron Rand is great. Yikes. Let's... Um, <laughs> probably, oh, oh, you know, it would be... Although, no, uh, the... Iron Rand would, wouldn't be pro-authority, but yeah. The new, the new Christy min- Minstrels, I think. Is that, is that actually a band? Oh, yeah, they're terrible. Are you... I can't tell if you're being facetious or not. No, I'm 100%. 100%. Oh, that's, that's actually a band? Yeah, I it's they're either called the Christie Minstrels or the New Christie Minstrels and it's do you you know the film A Mighty Wind? Yes. The band so you know the band where they have like 15 people and most of them are playing guitars and they're all like super super blonde and they're a cult? <laughs> yes. That's that's the band that they're actually making fun of. Okay. Yeah, they were contemporaries. 1961 to 1971, yeah. and then 1976 to present. That's the new Christie Minstrels. Yeah. Who are perhaps even more offensively awful. An American large ensemble folk. Oh, so they were American, but still. I'll find one of their, one of their gems and put them in here. Oof. Listener, listener discretion advised. <laughs> yeah. Trigger, trigger warning. If you're, if you're offended by cults, turn off now. <laughs> green, green, it's green, they say, on the far side of the hill. Green, green, I'm going away. 
So now, Nick, do we? What do we want to talk about about this? The 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 spoken word section. The it's John Evan, isn't it? No, no, it, it's Je- Jeffrey Hammond Hammond. Jeffrey Hammond Hammond's word salad yeah. express. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the content of this, these four lines, fits very well with the content of the music in this section because it is just bonkers. Yeah. We will be geared to the average rather than the exceptional. God is an overwhelming responsibility. We walked through the maternity ward and saw 218 babies wearing nylons. Cats are on the upgrade. Upgrade, hip grave, OMAC. <laughs> Just absolute madness. Yeah. Um... So themes that we can pull out there, being geared toward the average rather than the exceptional. That to me feels like what society tells you to do versus what you know you can do. It it feels like yes, absolutely. But in in a set in in a same kind of mirror sense, at the same time, it feels like a capitalist like let's put out just average product and, oh, and absolutely. just just mass produce. So we're mass producing man, we're mass producing product. Right, because you make more money selling 1,000 mediocre items than, than you do make selling one exceptional item. Yeah. Then we have God is an overwhelming responsibility. <laughs> Par for the course for, for Ian Anderson, I suppose. True, yeah. But it's, it's funny, you know, a lot of people who are religious say that they feel a sense of freedom in their religion. So mm. to have to have someone say God is an overwhelming responsibility, it's very interesting. It kind of turns that on its head. And, and if, like you say, it does dovetail a lot with the experiences that Ian has had with religion. But this is, this is our first reference to religion in this whole song, isn't it? Like we haven't heard anything. It's our first direct reference, yes. Yeah. You know what, Nick? I'm so glad that Ian Anderson never went through the phase the phases that Elvis or Bob Dylan went through where they they got super religious for 10 years and like started doing a lot of gospel did Dylan get religious oh girl yes he did wow. um i don't i don't generally or at all like Dylan so i wouldn't i don't know 
his phases uh, or his his catalog at all. It's a very interesting album. It, uh, I forget what it's called, but um, it's, is it just one for him? I I, I don't know. I, it's at least one album. I think it was a longer period of time, um, and the music isn't bad necessarily, but it just seems very disingenuous. Do you reckon he was just kind of following a trend? Which I think, in and of itself doesn't feel like something Dylan would do, from what right. I know. I, I think that he, I think he maybe just had a religious experience. I don't know. Hmm. So then we have babies wearing nylons. Now, that's a very interesting <laughs> juxtaposition of image. That feels like these these babies are, are going to grow up to be women, so let's prep them to be women and just throw them out there to be, uh, throw them out there as women. It's the, it's the sexualizing, the sexualization of, of the youth in an extreme and grotesque image. Yeah, like, grotesque. like this is their, this is their fate, so just accept it and embrace it. Right. They're not getting any younger. No, I mean, they, they literally can't. They're babies in a maternity ward, for Christ's sake. Right, exactly. And um, cat, cats are on the upgrade. Cats are on the upgrade, Nick. Upgrade? Hip grave. Oh, Mac. Uh, that seems just like... That seems like... What's the word I'm looking for? A word, where someone says a word and another person says a word and they kind of bounce back and forth. Word association. Word association. And that feels very word association to me. Yes. And almost like kind of beat poetry, almost. Yeah, totally. That being said, what it means, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Yeah, I don't think, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anyone has any ideas, let us know because it seems silly. But there may be references in there that that we don't know. Like maybe hip grave is a thing. Like um, I don't know. Or a place, or a or a person. <laughs> hip grave, hip grave is most assuredly a noun. Yeah, probably. It's a surname. Dan Hipgrave was an English musician and writer, born in 1975, so this was pre his time. Maybe he was wearing nylons. And Lindsay Hipgrave was an, or is an English television and radio presenter, but she was born in 1979, so. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the final section. Let us. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is... That's all just kind of novel, that section. Um, And it's kind of a good thing in a sense that you can't understand 95% of what's actually being said there. Right, because it's about the effect of it. Yeah. So we're into the the clear white circles section. Right, which is grounded by Ian's fabulous clear acoustic guitar. Acoustic, yep. Jock straps pinching, they slouch to attention whilst queuing for sardis at the office canteen. Singing, How's your granny? And a good old Ernie copped up a tenner on a premium on 
and he's clear singing. He's very he's very articulate in in this section. Yes, and his voice has a lovely listenable quality to it. Yeah, yeah, it's very springy. Like this this whole part with particularly, I believe it it kind of ties in with the 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 morn of clear white circles of morning wonder and the Lord of the Hills. It feels very pastoral to me. Mm, absolutely, and verdant. Yeah, the yeah, blue eyed I, soldiers. Yeah, I get a I get a lot of just like rolling green hills and and just beautiful blue skies dotted yes, with white clouds in this. It's very it's very sort of like you said English pastoral mm-hmm. idyllic delight. Yeah, but, but it's soldiers being very mediocre, which is very amusing. Right. I love the phrase they slouch to attention. Yeah, it's like it's like a, it's like you have soldiers. Which is all about preparedness, and then you just mm. you infuse them with this complete lack of urgency that they because they slouch to attention to go get sandwiches. Right. They they haven't been they haven't been doing anything. They're right. They're it's maybe it's a commentary on having a standing army, or is it just the reality of what a group of people do? It's like it's like ordinary life. You know, the fact that they're soldiers almost is is incidental you know it's a group of people right. who are getting their lunch and you know asking about their families and saying oh this yeah. guy bet bet 10 bucks on the lottery yeah everybody anyone could be referred to as a soldier because they go about their day in a, a regimented structured style right you the know soldier being soldiers makes them uniform yeah and so it could be a metaphor for larger society where everyone is expected to be the same Unless you've got some kind of terrible disease like Ian Andersonism. And, and Andersonism. There's no cure. Yeah. Yeah, so so what is So this is the narrator kind of on top of that that hill in my mind, looking down on this this standard army whatever it represents, seeing these people going about their business, doing the same thing over and over. But the narrator is not a part of that. The narrator is removed from that, and he takes his place with the Lord of the Hills. Mm. What is it's that? Almost, it's almost an ascension. It's almost like a spiritual ascension. I mean, it, it seems, it, it recollects to me almost a, an ancient kind of druidic right. image of, of some sort of a natural ruler, you know, a, a ruler whose power is connected to the land itself, the Lord of the Hills. Mm. So he is a wise, he's one of the wise men now? Perhaps, yeah. Because he doesn't have to do this? Yeah, because he's playing his flute in a rock and roll band. Well, right, yeah. The, the wisest man of all. The wisest band of all. <laughs> so, and it, it ties up at the very end. With it does it end with premium bond win? It sure does. I wish I wish I could end with a premium bond win. We we all we all would love to. That's basically the the, uh, the UK lottery, and a premium bond win. A premium bond is is one which the odds are stacked significantly against you, but the return if you win is extraordinary. The payout's better. Yeah, the payout's very good. Yes. So yeah. to pet so to so to bet. A tenner, a ten pounds in 1973, too. Mm. That's quite a lot of money. That's like, that's like spending, 
I don't know, maybe that's like spending 50 bucks or 100 bucks on a lottery ticket that you're almost almost assuredly not going to get any return on. Yeah. And if you do nail it, you you're then you're, you're set for life, yeah. Yeah. And it's not saying that Ernie won. He just no. he just put the tenor into it. They're saying good on you for having spent your money better you than me. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, better you to waste that tenor. Yeah. Wow, Nick, what a what a mouthful, what a juicy bite of this B-side. So in the clear white circles, isn't a whole lot of back reference. The see there a man is born is clearly a reference to, to what we've heard earlier. Well, I guess, I guess we've got some soldier in here. I guess this well, yeah. is referring to if you choose the life, the soldier life, as opposed to the, the poet life, this is what you'll, you'll end up as. But I also think it's a, it's a contrast with the first side of the album. The first side of the album is, is talking about soldiers in epic terms. And this mm. side of the album is talking about soldiers in very, very day-to-day, very banal, quotidian terms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. So I think that I, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's so much a continuation, but almost the, almost the other side of the coin or record. Yeah. So it is, it is still playing off of that idea. It is, it is building on what we have heard before. Yeah. It's just not so blatant as... The opposite of, see there a son is born, and we pronounce him fit to fight. See there now a man is born, and we pronounce him fit for peace. peace. Yeah. That line, just to go back to it really quick, feels like the the stages of man. And I think we talked about that in an, in an earlier episode as well. But there comes a point where th- uh, when a boy is born and basically bred for violence until they reach a certain age when they retire or, or are no longer useful. And then they are, they're a peaceful old man. They're a peaceful human being. When, huh. By the time they walk on three legs, that's, yes, yes. that's that correlation that it, it feels like to me. The third leg is the penis. Oh, I, I always got that riddle wrong then. Yeah. <laughs> good, thing, good thing there are no sphinxes around. <laughs> well, Nick, we are approaching an hour here. So why don't we... Yeah, let's wrap this up. Any final thoughts on this track? Just that, I don't know, maybe this says more about me than about the album, but I find the B-side thus far somewhat more listenable. It's certainly more engaging. Maybe that's just because tastes have changed and, and you know, we now have come to expect... Absurdism has become so mainstream now that it's almost... Mm. It's almost what we expect from all of our entertainment. If everything's absurd, nothing's absurd. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I need to... I need Talk to, to my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just delighted. I'm delighted that we're listening to this. This is such a fun album. And we will have more next week. Next week, we have 
So we're done with the like the two the two portion tracks. For the next three pieces are are their own individual chunks. Yeah. This this next one is called Legends and Believe in the Day. Mm. And it's the next six and a half minutes that we yeah. will will cover next week side side B track two. In the meantime, you, dear listener, can pull on your jock strap and slouch to attention to report to the five star general of iTunes and give the general a full report on what you think about our podcast. That was yeah, that was good. Thank you. The five star general should be talk told to me though, shouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> report to base iTunes and report to the five star general. General talk tall to me. There we go. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> until, until next week, I'm Omen Sade. And I am Nick McGill. We are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tall to Me. Troops, attention! Ha! Roll call! Evans? Here! Barrymore! Present! Hammond, Hammond, Hammond! Here, here, here! <laughs> Ian Anderson? Where, where's Cadet Anderson? Where's Cadet Anderson? Um, um, sir, he's, he's, he's gone off to play his flute again. <gasps> he's gone to play his flute at Talk Tull to Me? That, that's right. You, you, you do know they're a, a part of the Feckless Mom's audio network. Release the hounds.